We're going to turn to James chapter 3, verse 13 is where we're reading from, continuing our series entitled Bold Living, looking at the words of James, what he has to say to us, how this particular book can challenge and impact our lives. So as you grab your seats, as you prepare your hearts, let me pray for us today. Father, thank you for the privilege of gathering around your word. Thank you that you are a God who has spoken and you're a God who continues to speak. Your desire is to speak to us. So much so that Jesus, you regularly encouraged your listeners to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And so we pray that we would be that type of people this morning. Thank you that you're speaking and help us to hear your voice. May your word accomplish all that you desire in our hearts. We just desperately want to know you more. We want to become more like you. We want to see you, Jesus, glorified in our lives, in our church, our communities, in our city. We want to see many people brought to the light of your glorious grace. That's our desire, to make much of you. So let your word resonate in our hearts this morning. Not our words, not our understanding, our wisdom. Let the truth and the reality of the King of glory and the things that you have on your heart for us today. May they go deep, may they penetrate, and may they accomplish your good work. For your name's sake, we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say amen together. Grab your Bibles, James 3 verse 13 is where we're jumping in today. We talked last week, of course, about taming the tongue or the language of the righteous. How many put some of those things into practice? How many found that incredibly challenging to put some of those things into practice? Only three of us. Where were the rest of you? What were you doing this week? So James continues, chapter 3, verse 13. He asks this question. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, if you've read anything else in the book of James, you're probably very wary about answering that question. You think, well, let's just peek ahead. Let's find out exactly what James is asking before we issue any sort of an answer. The second half of verse 13 says this. Who is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So wisdom is the theme this morning. And right up front, James gives us a little clue. He says, who is wise? Who has wisdom? Well, here is the test. Is it on display in your life? How does your life reflect Wisdom. You see, it's not the degrees, it's not the letters after your name, it's not the facts of information that you know, it's the proven reality that is evidenced and witnessed in your life. That's the test of wisdom. So he's encouraging us. He's saying, who is wise? If you are, take a look at your life. Does your life reflect Wisdom. And he's going to now outline two different types of wisdom. We could call it a wisdom from above or a wisdom from below. Let's read and we'll unpack this 
a little further. So who is wise? Let his conduct show it. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boast and false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Two different types of wisdom. James is saying this is what it comes down to. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's two courses of action. There's two ways to live your life. And there's two harvests that it will produce. Either every vile and evil practice or a harvest of righteousness. Now hopefully most of us don't need to think too long about which type of wisdom we want evidenced in our lives. No? Okay, yes? Good. See, we are called to be a people of wisdom. The Bible talks many, many times. This is not the first time in James, and it won't be the last. A lot of the Old Testament deals with wisdom. There's a whole genre of Old Testament literature called wisdom literature. It talks extensively about wisdom. We need wisdom. Of course, the pinnacle is Proverbs, continually and constantly urging it's almost this, this clarion call to wisdom. We need wisdom. We need to be a wise people. It's to be desired more than gold and stones and precious things is the gift and the value of wisdom. And James is saying this is so important because it's going to be reflected in your actions. See, we talked last week about what's the first thing that you notice about someone who's maybe from another country or a culture, often you can't tell anything by looking at them. But the first thing you notice is what? We talked about last week. It's your words. All of a sudden, you're like, ah, you've got an accent. You're not from around here. And James is saying the second thing you're going to notice is their deeds and their actions. So what are our deeds and our actions? We talked about words last time, but what is the reality of our life say about us, the choices that we make. Let me ask you this question. How many of us have ever made a choice you regret? Only a few, okay? All right. We'll continue on. The reality is that we all make choices that are unwise at times. And we are the product of the choices that we made yesterday whether we like it or not. And we will be tomorrow the product of the choices that we make today. This is why it's important to have wisdom. We want to make wise choices because they're going to determine our direction and where we had. How often do we say, I only wish I knew now, I knew then what I knew now. Anyone ever said that? The truth is that wisdom sometimes doesn't come naturally. If only we knew then what we knew now. So wisdom is good. Wisdom is something that God's scripture continually compels us towards. We even see Solomon, of course, who he cried out for wisdom. 
And God didn't rebuke him for that. God commended him for that. He said, you could have had anything, and yet you asked for wisdom. And so now because you asked for that, you will get all these other things added in. So we need it. We need to ask for it. In fact, someone once said, seeking wisdom is the wisest thing that a person can do. Are we wise people? Do our lives display wisdom? I pray that by the end of the sermon, we will at least have been stirred in this area of wisdom. So two things I want to do. First of all, let's have a a very brief look at, well, what is this wisdom? What does that actually mean? And then, of course, hopefully the more important question is, how do we get it? How do we get wisdom? How do we make sure that we are a people who make wise choices? And we're going to look at a couple of practical keys. So first of all, It's really hard to define specifically wisdom. But if you look at its usage throughout Scripture, there is something that you will notice. Wisdom is more than information. Wisdom is practical. And wisdom, as James has just said, is knowledge actually lived out. We all know and we acknowledge that we live in a world of information. In fact, Sinking this through as I prepared the sermon, I have some people, a family member, some friends who it doesn't seem to matter what you're talking about. You can be talking about the weather or football or anything else. The moment you bump into a question, instantly it's like, it's okay, I'll Google it. And then out comes the phone. Anyone know someone like that? Like, what's the weather? It's okay, I'll Google it. You're reading a pastor and they say, this is a lovely source. I'm going to Google it. Nice pastor sources. And I was in one such conversation just saying, it's okay, like we, we don't need to kind of go down that path. And, and I could see this, um, this intensity in their eyes thinking, but, but I've got the power. We have all the power of information literally in our back pocket, don't we? I'm just going to Google it. I'll Google it and I'll look it up. That's the level of information. Anything you ever wanted to know and far more than you ever needed to know about any topic is literally within our arms reach in the society in which we lived. The problem is that information does not always equate wisdom because wisdom is demonstrated not in what is known but in what is shown. It's, it's knowledge put into action. See, for example, if you were heading in, and I pray this is not the case for anyone here, for a delicate brain surgery operation, and you're meeting with the surgeon pre-operation and talking through the procedure, and you say to them, well, just want to check, do you know what you're doing? And the surgeon says to you, absolutely, I just Googled it. You know, I just <laughs> looked it up, we're good to go. What's your response going to be? You'd be hoping for a little more, wouldn't you? I was really looking for something that wasn't just known, but something that was shown. Proven knowledge. Yes, I've got all the information, but I've been here before. I know how this works. I know what knowledge in action looks like when the rubber hits the road. And that's what we need, not just knowledge. We desperately need wisdom. So knowledge says this is what a thing is. Wisdom says this is how we use it. Knowledge says this is where you are. Wisdom says this is where you need to go. Knowledge is facts and ideas, but wisdom is discernment 
an insight and proven track record. So we live our lives surrounded, saturated with information, but so often starved of true, genuine wisdom. And really, that's what James is trying to get to the bottom of. He's, he's saying there's two types of wisdom. You will be following one or the other. What's the source of your wisdom and how is it demonstrated in your lives? So that's a bit of a, a, a definition. Helps us hopefully to distinguish a little bit between knowledge and wisdom and gives us a flavour for what James is trying to lead us towards. So practically, how do we get wisdom? How do we make sure that we are making wise choices? And I'll say this up front, this is not a four-step process. Foolproof, if you follow these steps, you will never make a mistake. Who would like one of those? Unfortunately, that doesn't always work. This is a little bit like um, my family and I went bowling the other week, and they had for the kids... In fact, originally the kids were like, we, we, we don't want those little things in the, you know, the bumper, bumpers in the alleys. We just want to do this on our own. And then within about two balls each, they're like, let's get the bumpers. Now, that doesn't guarantee a strike, does it? Although miraculous, I don't know how it happens, but there was you know, pinball machine and then all the, the pins went down at the end. It did happen occasionally. But this is like the guide rails. If we can just have some guide rails around, it's not guaranteeing a strike, but hopefully it can keep us at least in the ballpark or along the path to living lives that make wise choices, that are dominated by wisdom. So number one, from this passage here, first of all, James directs us to check the source, to check the source. See, he profiles these two wisdom and he says, one of these wisdom, one of these Versions of wisdom comes from above. And then verse 15, he says, But this is not the wisdom that comes from above. So where is it that wisdom comes from in our lives? And the truth is that he's saying it doesn't begin with us. doesn't begin with Google, unfortunately. It comes from above. And I've, I think this is perhaps the most critical reality when we're faced with choices, when we are unsure of what the correct path is to take, when we're really truly seeking wisdom. Because if you take God out of the equation, the world presents this view that if, if you're really looking for deep answers, if you're searching for what do I do with my life, where do I go, how, how do I make this choice, where's the first place that we're always told to look? We're always told to look within, aren't we? Just, just look within. Just examine your heart. Just look for you know, what, what your feelings are, what you're good at perhaps, what's, what's your abilities. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with looking for within, but as the saying goes, if you're looking for answers, don't look inside yourself because you're the one who's confused. Just think about that for a moment. And I love, just turn with me quickly a couple of pages earlier, James 1, verse 5, where he first mentioned this whole thing of wisdom and he gives us what I believe is the most essential clue, the most essential truth if we want to be a people who are wise. He says this, James 1, 5, If any of you lack 
wisdom, what does he say? Go and figure it out yourself. If any of you lack wisdom, just examine your innermost desires. Look within yourself. Just search through the fog and eventually there'll be some clarity and you'll discover what you're searching for. He gives us a far simpler, a far more powerful reality. If any of you lacks wisdom, what do we do? Let him ask God. It's almost too simple, isn't it? Think, of course. Well, he made wisdom. He is wisdom. Why the heck would we not be asking him? And it's because so often we're in this world where everything within us and everything without, everything's geared towards just just ask yourself. Just look within. And James is saying, no, if you want to know true wisdom, you need to check your source. You need to ask God. You've got to push this one up the paper chain, up, up to the top. doesn't get any higher than that. And here's the promise. You ask God who gives generously without finding fault. Isn't that incredible? Never once is God going to say to you, oh, are you kidding me? Go and figure that one out on yourself. Are you joking? You're really coming to me with that? Never. He won't find fault. He won't criticize for you. In fact, it says he will give generously and it will be given to you. If ever you're lacking wisdom, go to God. He wants to give to you freely, willingly, and generously. Remember, you've got this loving heavenly father. What father does not want to give their kids wisdom? Never once have my kids come to me and they've said, we, we really need some wisdom about this. I mean, it's, it's, it's a joy and a delight of a father to give wisdom and guidance to their kids. It really is. So check your source. Are you looking within or are you going to God, the God who made wisdom, the God who is wisdom, the God who invites us? He says, all you've got to do is ask. And I'll give generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It will be, not might be. He wants to. He's standing willing and ready to give us wisdom. He wants to. He wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us through his word. Scripture proclaims that his words are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Why is it, and I'm speaking to myself here, why is it that so often I'm so willing to go everywhere else? Faced with a problem, go and pick up a nice self-help book, watch a preacher online, I'll hang out with friends, and not that any of those things are bad things to do, are they? They're not bad. But number one, James is saying, if you truly want to be a wise person, you've got to recognize the source, the ultimate source of wisdom is him. So number one, check your source. Number two, he says, check your motivation. He says, this is how you know that you're living a life of earthly wisdom or wisdom that's not true. He says, if you're harboring, one translation says, jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, more than having it, if, if that's dominating your thinking, then you can guarantee that you are employing earthly wisdom. See, what's it, what, I mean, what's, 
What's he really getting towards here? He says, if you want to be wise, we need to move on from a place of having an over-inflated sense of our self-importance. We need to move past us having our happiness and who we are at the centre and the front of our own existence. Now, it would be nice if that was easily done. But the truth is there is a challenge to continually put us. You look throughout Scripture. You look in the garden. You look as people conspired together and they said, well, let's go and make a name for ourselves and build a tower. And in fact, James goes on to say, in fact, that kind of wisdom ultimately is actually demonic because it comes from Lucifer himself. What did he say? He said, I will... Ascend. I will make much of me. I will make much of me. See, if you want to live a, lot, a wise life, check your motivation. I've discovered this, a simple reality. It's actually much harder, I believe, in my life anyway, for me to hear what God is saying when it's something that I really long for. Silly example. This past week, I met with a friend, Nathan, in our church, and we went to ride, test ride some motorcycles. Always a dangerous thing to do, just around the corner at the Canberra Motorcycle Centre. In fact, there's this new range of motorbikes, a whole new uh, segment of the market. It's called Adventure Bikes. And j- just work with me a little here. Here's the concept, right? I can happily commute to work and then go and cross the Sahara Desert all on my one motorbike. Forget how you get it over there. This is the capability and the capacity of this particular motorcycle. So I thought I have to test ride a couple of different models of these adventure cycles. So we did. I booked in. We went for a ride. And I tell you, this is no exaggeration, there's this moment that happens. Sitting there on the highway, opening up the throttle, wind in the hair, and it's just like the heavens part, you know? And All of a sudden, I'm clearly hearing the voice of the Lord. He's speaking to me. There's downloads from heaven. I came home. I said to my wife, I said, you'll never guess what I just heard so clearly from the Lord. I need to buy a bike. I can commute and I can travel the Sahara for the glory of the Lord. You know, missionary work, travel, preach the gospel. She's yet to receive the revelation. But I pray, I pray, I do. The truth is, and this is always a test for me, is that it's much easier for me to hear and make wise choices when it's something that I would never want to do myself. God speaks, I'm like, oh, it has to be God because there's no way in the world I would want to do that. But there can be this tension at times in making wise choices when it's something That is very close to my heart. And here's a great test. Check your motivation. Wrestle through. Is it really the heavens parting in the Lord? Or am I maybe just listening in a little, just a little to my own heart? That was not not in that instance, of course, that was all the Lord, but using it by way of illustration. Because here's the problem: it's very easy to become people that get good at listening to our own heart. And he's saying, when you hold on to this self-motivation, when all you're doing is really listening to your own wisdom, every vile practice 
eventually comes forth. And the truth is we see that around us. If you want to make life, just just think this through, if you want to make your life as miserable as possible, just make it completely about you. Like if you want to make your marriage miserable, just live every day for yourself. Wake up in the morning, this is all about me. And I'm going to make sure I let everybody know that this really is revolving all around my needs and my desires. If you want to make your workplace miserable, make it all about yourself. Someone once said that living for your own pleasure is the least pleasurable thing you can do. There is a truth to it. There's a reality here that we have to be a people if we want to live wise that are willing to check our motivations. And that will take some work. That will take some examination. Where is this wisdom really coming from? Is it coming from God or is there a conflicting motivation? I love what it says about heavenly wisdom. It's first pure. It's impartial and sincere. It's untainted. There's no ulterior motives. It is pure wisdom. Number three, check your perspective. He gives us this further clarification. He says, this wisdom that comes from down, that comes down from above is earthly. See, wisdom that is not true wisdom is only ever consumed with the here and now. It's consumed with the problem that's right before us, with all the issues that are around us. It's temporal. It's just there. I had this moment when I first started working, and my first job was working as an accountant in public, the public service, and we had these periods at the end of the month and the end of the year which were quite long hours. We were putting together financial reports of the whole government. So literally I was in front of spreadsheets and a computer all day, very little breaks during the day, and that was my focus. And I found something during these busy times, is that I was staring at these spreadsheets all day, and then I'd notice that at the end of the day it was dark, I'd hop in the car to head home, and I was having real trouble with my eyes. I couldn't focus, particularly in the, uh, the twilight or if it was getting dark, and lights were blurry, and so I thought, Obviously, something's happening with my eyes. I went along to the eye doctor to get it tested. He said to me, well, the good news is there's nothing wrong with your eyes. Actually, your sight is perfect. But he said, what it sounds like is happening is that you're spending so much time focusing close range that actually you're losing the capacity to see long distance so that in in the immediate, your eyes are just not able to focus up. But if you continue long term, you're going to do permanent damage to your eyes. So you don't need glasses, but what you do need to do is literally set your clock and be disciplined about it. If you know you're going to be working a long time in front of the screen, every hour, take five minutes, look away from the screen. If you can, go for a walk and focus on something more long distance, which, of course, I took their advice. I set the watch. I was disciplined about doing that, and I found that it did. It sorted out that particular issue and that particular problem. Remember Jen Johnson, she shared a testimony. Um, There's a wonderful song that she's written. And uh, it wasn't just the song, but it was the way it came about. She described a scenario like this. She said, I was having one of those days. I was in the car on the way somewhere with all the kids, and just everything hit the fan. Kids were fighting. You know, there was just all this stuff going on. I had pressures 
at work and just felt like there was this, this mountain of stuff right there that I, there was no way I could see through. I'm sure no one has ever had a moment like that. And so she was in the car feeling overwhelmed, feeling inundated, and in that moment she just, she just said, God, help. And out of that moment flowed the song, God, I look to you. And the verse says, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. It just, just flowed out of her almost as a prayer. And, of course, that became a song. But I would suggest that that is a prayer that is absolutely essential for us to pray if we want to be a people of wisdom. We need to be disciplined. Every hour, set your watch at looking up, not getting so consumed by the things that are right before us that we lose that perspective. How different will we live our lives if every hour we stepped away, we said, God, give me vision. Let me see things the way you do. Give me your perspective about the things going on in my family, my life, my workplace. How different. And I would suggest that whilst ever we're just here, there's never going to be a capacity to make wise choices. It's only when we're disciplined enough to pray and to step away. God, give us perspective. That's when we can allow the wisdom that comes from heaven to guide our decision-making process. And then very quickly, the last one, which we've already touched on, is put it into action. Check what is actually being lived out in your life. See, God has said he's going to give it. He has given it. He has spoken. He will continue to do it. If you ask him, he will do it. But my question to us is, are we then willing and ready to live it? Are we? Are we truly ready to live it? Proverbs 3.5, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I mean, isn't that we want? what we want? Don't we want God to direct our paths? Where does it begin? It begins as we become a people who are willing to trust. And I love that passage as well because it's not just talking about trusting principles. Wisdom involves principles, yes. But it doesn't say trust in the principles, of the Lord. It says, trust in the Lord. That ultimately wisdom is not just a principle, although it involves principles. That wisdom is an invitation to trust in the person, to trust in our heavenly Father. He said he's going to give it. He will give it. He will continue to give it. But are we willing to actually trust in him and to live it out, to trust in his word, to lean upon this? Or is there always a part of us that just wants to live upon our own understanding, upon our own capacity to work it out? Well, God, I'll trust you in this area or in that area, or I'll trust you in part, but I still got this bit figured out a bit better. I think I can still work this one through myself. In fact, James gives a very harsh warning in 1.5 after that wonderful passage that says, ask. He says, but if you do ask, ask in faith and do not doubt. 
He's saying, whatever you do, don't ask, and then put half a foot upon the promises of God and leave some for yourself. You'll, in, in fact, be left in a worse position than where you started. Who are you really trusting with your life? And, and I've found this in my life. I've found this in the life of, of many other people. Someone will come to me. It's one of the biggest um, questions you get asked as a pastor is, how do I know what the will of God is? How do I know what right choice is before me? How, how do I know what direction? How do I know what to do with my life? And sometimes, not always, but sometimes the issue is actually that our faith is purely resting upon our capacity to work it out. That we have decided that this is all about us. I'm the driver, the determiner, the filler of my own destiny, my own joy. I've got to make the right choice because this is all about me and I could mess it up. And what if I mess it up? And what if I marry the wrong person? And what if I take the wrong, what if I do the wrong thing? That's a lot of pressure to put upon yourself. There's another way. Scriptures put it like this. They say, just remember that you have a good shepherd. You have a father who has promised and committed himself to lead you if you will just submit your life to him. He's fully responsible to all those who are fully yielded to him. To choose to trust is my faith more in my capacity to work it through, to solve all the problems of the world, to determine the direction of my life? Or is my faith in my capacity to simply trust him, to ask for wisdom, to check my motivations, to trust in his leading, knowing that he has the best for me. You know, what an incredibly freeing place that is. I think so often we get caught up because we make this all about ourselves. There's, there's a, an old saying that any good surgeon will never operate on their own family member. And the reason is because in that particular instance, there's no capacity to make an impartial decision. There's too much on the table. There's too much pressure. You cannot step back objectively and make the right choice. And so often when we're facing wise decision-making, there's too much on the table. We've got everything all dependent upon us. And if we just stepped away and said, actually, this is all about him, and this is all about trusting me and allowing him to lead me, then I guarantee you we would have a far greater capacity to make impartial, wise decisions, to trust in him. Would you pray? Got someone to play? Keys would be great. I want to pray for us because I want us to be a people of wisdom. That's what James is saying. He's saying there is two ways to live your life. There's two paths to take. There's two wisdoms and there's two harvests that it will ultimately produce. And I don't know about you, but I, for one, know 
which path I want to take. So, Father, just thank you for this passage of Scripture that we have read, and I pray that even in this moment now as we bring our time together, we want to give you space just to speak to each one of us here. Pray that there be a grace and a capacity for us to examine the evidence. That's what James is pointing us towards. Show us the reality of the choices and decisions that we've made. Is it the evidence of a life lived with heavenly wisdom? Is there a harvest of righteousness? Is there all that you desire for us? Or is the evidence suggesting that there is at times a dependence upon earthly wisdom? And Father, where there is, I pray that there would be a sense of just recalibrating, of checking the source, of looking to you, of recognizing our need for your wisdom and of coming with great thankfulness that you've promised to give every time we ask you. Lord, of continually examining our motivations. Is it wisdom guiding us or is it our own heart desires? Lord, of being a people who know what it is, who allow you to give us your perspective. And help us, God, to always be a people who know what it is to trust you. Thank you that you are our good shepherd, that you've promised to lead us. And may we be a people who not only allow, but who desperately desire your leading in our lives. Make us wise. That's our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. So you're welcome just to sit there and allow the Lord just to do what he wants to do this morning. Of course, there is an opportunity for prayer. And if we can ask the prayer team just to come forward. I want to pray particularly this morning for those of you and you have a circumstance, you have a situation before you, you have something that you're acutely aware of and there is an acknowledgement of a need for wisdom. You don't know which way to go, you don't know what to do. And I want to encourage you and say you're in the right place. Not because I know the answers, but because I know who has the answers. And I have a particular sense this morning of praying for those of you who know you need wisdom. So if that's you, I want to invite you to come. Just be bold. It's just a a step of faith for you, acknowledging that reality of your need and remembering his promise to give you wisdom in that circumstance and situation. Of course, if you need prayer for anything else, you're welcome to come too. Any prayer needed at all, it would be our joy and honor to pray with you this morning. Bless you this week. Look forward to seeing you next week. Be prayerful for the youth conference, of course. But don't rush away until you've just allowed God to do whatever he needs to do. And if you need wisdom, you come forward. And we're going to pray together in Jesus' name.